0: investigating somebody who came and took two of our channels out somebody say the devil's a liar yeah somebody apparently wrecked two of our channels so man that and our settings too yeah somebody praise the lord man i feel like i'm a transformer the church does have insurance so you can sue us if you'd like It's paid up, so we're good. (laughs) Praise the Lord. We good? Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. How we doing? We doing all right right there? We good? Let me just walk this way just a tad bit. Okay. I'm going to walk over here. Boom. That one. Sister Page, did you do that? Was that your way of saying, get me out of the sound booth? <laughs> Just for that, we're gonna put you right back up during this Sunday. <laughs> is that is that one on or off? Yeah. I think we're gonna take up an offering right now for some new equipment if we keep this up. Praise the Lord. Oh Lord, that's good. Alright. Somebody say thank you, Lord. We will make the best of what we can do, and uh, we will thank God for that. Welcome to our midweek service. Hope you brought your Bibles with you. We are getting ready to dive right into Becoming Christ Like Part 31. And uh, not to sound like a broken record, but let us continue to learn these principles and apply them to our life. Um, it's hard to be what you don't know. Amen. And so we want to be more like Jesus. So in order to be more like Jesus, we have to learn who He is and uh, really develop a relationship with Him and accept that He's always right and we're always wrong. Amen. That's the best relationship to be in is when someone's always right and someone's always wrong. And in this case, we're always wrong. Amen. All right. Hey, before we go right into the Bible study... Can you guys pray with me that God blesses the Bible study and, and we're going to pray for Jonathan. We love Jonathan and we're looking forward to doing the whole Mufasa circle of life thing with Jonathan here and baby dedication. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys pray with me? In fact, would you stand with me and pray for baby Jonathan and release your faith? We want God to be with him in a special way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we're so grateful for the life of Jonathan. We're asking you, Jesus, to step into that room and let the holy power of your name flow through his body. We're praying for your healing power, Jesus. We're praying for a beautiful testimony of his life. We thank you for everything you've done thus far, and we're praying and believing you, Jesus, for more. We release our faith right now into that room in the name of Jesus Christ. Heal his body, Jesus. You're a healing God. Your word is true. The devil's a liar. We trust you, Jesus. We pray this by the authority of your mighty name. And God bless this Bible study unto the glory of your will. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Jumping into Matthew chapter 18 and uh, just to bring some context into what is taking place here, Jesus just got done dealing with the temple tax situation um, with Peter and the, the disciples are wondering about some things. How many people understand that it's okay to wonder? Okay. It's all right to wonder. Sometimes you can be with Jesus for so long and, uh, and you think it's wrong to wonder about some things. There's nothing wrong with wondering. I got a lot of questions. God hasn't answered them all. I'm still trying to research them. I don't know why they call them apartments when they're right next to each other. Still trying to figure that out. And I don't understand how they say it's a runny nose when your nose ain't going nowhere. But it's life. What do you do? You just got to go with it, right? But you, it's okay to wonder. And so the disciples are beginning to wonder about some things. And I want you to really pay close attention to this because there's a limited amount of information that Jesus canonized. John tells us that if Jesus would have had everything written that he said and did, there wouldn't be enough place in the earth to store it all, okay? So basically, when Jesus spoke and what he canonized was so important that he inspired somebody to record it. And then he protected it for over 2,000 years for you and I to sit down tonight and read it. Everybody say, pretty important. Yeah, that's pretty important if you do all that for that. Amen? So let's dive right into it. Uh, This subject is a subject that I believe um, needs to be taught, bless you, often and also reminded often because it's easy um, to, to not figure this particular subject out. And so Matthew 18 and 1, the Scripture reads and says this, at that time or at the time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, I want you to pay really close attention to out of everything that they could have asked Jesus. This is about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Okay? This is about the most prideful thing I've ever heard. (laughs) They come to Jesus, okay, after Jesus has shown them through his example that he is a servant, not a king. And they have the nerve to come to Jesus and they say, hey, we got a question. We've all been talking. Now, we know that Peter walked on water and we know you really like James and John and Peter because you took them up to the mountain. And we know that you have a thing for Judas because you gave him the money bag. And so we know that there's, hey, there's, uh, what's his name, uh, was it Nathaniel, that there was no guile in him? And there's Philip. And, there, and so, so Jesus, we've all been wondering who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Which one of us is the head honcho? Which one of us is the one that has more pool with you? Which one of us has your favor on their life? Now, it's one thing to ask Jesus, Jesus teach us to pray. It's another thing to get so arrogant to come to Jesus and say, who's the greatest? And you know, you know very well that nobody was asking Who's the greatest and didn't want to hear you? Everybody wanted to hear Jesus say, well, Peter, it's you. And Peter would have been like, questions, boys? Any questions here? It blows me away that these boys have not learned from spending time with Jesus that this is a carnal question to ask. And number two, that it's something, whether we believe it or not, all of us struggle with today every one of us struggle with this complexity that we are in church, but we all want to figure out who has the most pull with the pastor. I'm teaching really good right now. I wonder what I can get away with and pastor won't tell me nothing. I wonder who's his favorite. Somebody say amen. Who's the greatest in the kingdom, Pastor? Who's the greatest who's the greatest saint? Hey, why does it even matter? What does it matter? What is, here's my question to you. What is it about us that makes us care? See, that's the deeper question. See, the right question is not who's the greatest. The the right question is why do you care? What's in your heart? What's in your mind? What's in your spirit that makes you want to feel like you're better than others? We got this weird thing about this nasty thing we call the flesh. It wants to fear. It wants to feel like it's better than. It wants to look down on others. It it, it enjoys knowing that it is better than somebody else. But what do you do when Jesus says, I'm not telling you? That's what I love about Jesus. Jesus is like, you knuckleheads. Hey, can I tell you, could it be, could it be, because this is how my brain works. If Jesus said it, I believe that somebody's ears listened and then somebody said, you know what, I think Jesus meant that. So let's, let's write to the churches and let's make sure the churches don't behave this way. Look what the scripture says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 12. The Bible says, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. One of the, am I allowed, I can't use that word because that's a candy. One of the dumbest things, thank you, Brother Aaron corrected me so there's some things I don't say because I don't want to lose candy every time I say it. One of the dumbest things that you can do sitting before the Lord, sitting in a church, is to compare yourself to others. Are they better than me? Am I better than them? Does God like them better? Does God like me better? Does God like the pastor better? Does the pastor like them better? Does the pastor like me better? One One of the most unwise things you can do in a church is to compare yourself to others. Because it's not a fair comparison. They don't know your past, you don't know their past. You don't know their struggles, they don't know your struggles. They don't know your victories, they don't know your victories. We cannot compare ourselves amongst ourselves because it's never a fair comparison. You can't compare yourself. You may be be a finger, and somebody may be a toe, and you can't get mad at the finger because you need the finger. And guess what? The finger can't get mad at the toe because we need the toe. And this is just how it works. All of us got to get used to the idea that God's not going to tell you who the greatest is. And if God's not going to tell you who the greatest is, then we ought to all act humbly because ain't nobody. All that in a bag of chips. And if you are, you're a bag of flaming odds, which are really bad for you. <laughs> I was trying to convince my friends in California. I, I did the whole lighter experiment with them. And I said, look at this thing. This thing burns like fuel because it's destructive to your soul. And my friend just grabbed another chair. And, and I looked at him because he's a young man. So I kept saying, see, this is the problem with people. You tell them it's wrong and they keep doing it. I said, man, you, you can't even control yourself with chips. Who knows what you're doing in secret? Well, that's great preaching right there. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10 and 12, that's what, that's what the Apostle Paul is telling the church. Don't compare yourselves one to another. You know what would be amazing? If, if, if Can you imagine if there was a church environment, which I believe our church is pushing for that, Can you imagine if there was a church environment that instead of comparing yourself to others, you appreciate the differences? You know how awesome it would be for someone to walk in, completely different background, and not feel like they, they have to live up to your expectations of them. But you can appreciate the differences, the trials, what they've gone through, what their life experience looks like, their talents, their gifts, their errors, their problems. Wouldn't it be amazing to just know, hey, we're just glad you're here. I'm just trying to help somebody here today. Hey, can I tell you, this is one of the fastest ways to get over who's the greatest. You ready? I'm just glad to be here. I'm just glad to be here. I I really don't care who's the greatest is. I don't care who thinks they're the greatest. I don't care who thinks they're the worst. I'm just glad that God has taken my filthy, wretched, nasty soul out of a path going to hell and brought me into the kingdom of God. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm, li- I'm just happy to be in the house of God. And can I tell you, here's my question to all the people that think, who's the greatest? Hey, do you really think it's going to matter when you get to heaven? It ain't going to matter. You know what? Listen, the moment you cross, the moment he opens those books, the moment he reads out your name, hey, can I tell you, I don't care about accolades. I want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord, and I'll be happy just with that. But you know what happens is we all come from a background where somewhere along the lines we have built up insecurities. And so we overcompensate to try to be something when in reality, the only one that matters is Jesus. He's the greatest. That should have been what they should have said. They should have came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we just determined all of us are a bunch of knuckleheads, but you're the greatest, and we love you, and we're glad to be here. Thank you for calling us. We're all different. My man's a tax collector. My man's a fisherman. My man is so different. Simon, he said, hey, listen, you're the greatest, Jesus. The the fastest way to get over that is to start realizing Jesus is the greatest who cares about everything else. Stop being competitive with others. Just be grateful that God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hey, I'm trying to help somebody here today. I'm trying to help somebody. Look at this. Now, there's a lot of ways that Jesus could have answered this question. A lot of ways. Jesus is much wiser than anyone you'll ever meet, so he handled it in the perfect way. See, I would have been like, y'all dumb. Jesus is so good. This is what Jesus does. The Bible says, and Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. Now, pay very close attention to this. Did you catch what Jesus did there? Did you catch that? The question was, who's the greatest? Jesus didn't answer who the greatest is. You know what he told them? This thing that's inside of you can send you to hell. He said, unless you get converted to that of a child, you're not going to get into the kingdom of heaven. That's the same verbiage he used in John 3, 3, John 3, 5, except a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Except a man is born again of water and spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is the same verb as used in Matthew five twenty one. Except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. So God says, let me tell you about a real heaven and hell issue. Let me tell you about something that really matters. Let me tell you about something that will send you to hell thinking you're going to heaven. And that is something inside of you that likes to compare himself to others because of your pride. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Jesus said, unless you convert. Now, this is actually quite fascinating, okay, because here, the, the word convert there literally means to turn around or to reverse. He says, we got some things to reverse. If we can't reverse something inside of you that started a long time ago that shouldn't be there, you ain't coming in. That's what Jesus said. Now, this to me was fascinating when you couple that with 1 Corinthians 13.11 because I want you to look what the Apostle Paul said. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. In other words, God is not contradicting himself. The context of the Apostle Paul's writing is there are areas in all of our lives that we got to grow up. There are areas of our life where we got to put them away because they're childish things. Hey, temper tantrums are childish things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all get mad at your five-year-old for throwing a temper tantrum at Walmart, but you throw a temper tantrum in church on Sunday when someone offends you. You get, you get mad at the kid when they walk away from you. Don't walk away from me, but you would be walking away from everybody when you're mad. Ain't it amazing how we just, oh, I wish God would just, I wish every now and then the mirror would just fall and just, Oh. There are things about our life that we've got to grow up in, but there are some things inside of us that are never meant to grow up. And Jesus is about to explain what it is. I call it, The Peter Pan syndrome. Jordan Peterson talks about it. It's a great thing. There are some people that want to live in la-la land. You know, you meet people that are like, okay, you want to marry each other? Yeah, okay. Where do you you work? Well, I don't. Where do you work? I don't. Well, How are you guys going to make it work? Love. (laughs) Look, Peter Pan, at some point you got to grow up. (laughs) Peter Pan loved to go back to La La Land because he didn't want to take responsibility for his life. And see, so the Apostle Paul is saying, don't you dare twist Jesus' words and be like, well, I'm just acting like a kid because Jesus said. That's not what Jesus meant. Somebody say, help us, Lord. Converting into a child or back to children is a heaven or hell issue. Then Jesus clarifies what this means. This is something that is never meant to be converted. Whoever therefore, next verse please, uh, Matthew 18 and 4, please. Look at the scriptures. It says, Whosoever therefore shall, I want you to read it because I want you to kind of shall what? Shall what? Hey, how you doing tonight? Humble yourself. As this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, not only do you get in, but you become great inside of it. Humility is a lost thing that gets converted from humility into pride as we get older. In fact, sometimes you got to spank them little devils. You know why? because you keep feeding their pride by giving them whatever they want. You're teaching them that you deserve this. You don't deserve nothing. I used to like that old thing my grandma did to me, but they stopped eventually. They fed into my pride. They eventually caved in. When I didn't like vegetables, they are like, well, you're either going to eat it or you ain't going to eat. They were trying to keep me humble. But pride won out. And I went from Victory to victory and pride to pride as a kid. See, y'all don't even realize the more that you give in to your kids instead of your kids giving in to you, you're building their pride. I am teaching so good right now, CPS is going to call me tomorrow. (laughs) He says, whosoever therefore shall humble themselves as this little child. What did the little child do that made him humble? He submitted. Jesus said, "Hey, come here And the kid didn't say, no. oh see y'all looking at me like I'm preaching some foreign message on Sunday, brother the point is like this altar's open now, hallelujah. I can't stand when the kids don't listen to me. I know how, God knows how you feel. God preached right to you, hooks you in, and he's like, can you please get over here? I don't pray in the altar. I pray in the back pew. Yeah, you've been taking a back seat to a lot of things in life because of that attitude. I should probably go back to being an evangelist. <laughs> Man, I still got 36 minutes of y'all. We're just getting started. We We got to actually be conscious that what is holding you back is not anything more than your pride. No, pastor, I'm humble. The fact that you think you're humble, you're not. Except Moses. Moses said he's the meekest man alive. But, you know, we know he was lying because he died outside the promised land. You know what I'm saying? Jesus said, hey, listen, boys, while you guys are fussing and tussing about who the greatest is, I just showed you who the greatest is. The guy that listens to me the most. The guy that will do things that are, you, you, really don't, you really don't think that that kid was out of his comfort zone? There was probably other kids all around. And I guarantee a lot of those kids didn't listen when Jesus said, hey, come here. They're like, no. That little kid said, you know something, I'm just going to go ahead and walk over there and just do what he tells me to do. And where did he put him? He put him in the midst. He wanted them to know, this is what my kingdom revolves around. It's humility. So he says, whoever shall humble themselves as little child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of God. In other words, here's a revelation for some folks in case you haven't realized it by yet. Humility saves us. Oh, come on, folks. You've had a Bible study where you teach someone Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. I will never do it. Pride. My pride detector meter starts going beep, 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 beep. Why won't you do it? Because my grandma was this. That's called religious pride. You're prideful about, that, that would be like, that. listen, if I was on the Titanic when it was sinking and somebody said, hey, ain't you one of the guys that built it? I was, but I'm getting out now because this doesn't work. I'm out. I ain't going down with the ship. I'm out. Some folks are so prideful that they would rather sink in their false doctrine and go to hell than be humble and just say, yeah, I was wrong all this time. Probably should have got in the water. Probably should get in the water. When they stand before God, God's not going to say, oh, I feel so bad for you. you re-. No, no, no. God's going to say, your pride kept you out of heaven. Why could, it was right there, right in front of you. They had the evidence. They showed you what it said. I know, but you, know, you remember, God, my grandmama was Baptist. Well... We got a place for those. Well, it got quite fast. Well, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to keep people saved. I know nobody likes to talk about this stuff because we live in a culture that believes that your fuel should be pride. But see, that's the world's way of viewing things. See, the kingdom's way is you really want to have some powerful fuel, get humble. That's a fuel that'll never go out. Pastor, why would Jesus say this? Ah, uh, I'm glad you asked. Luke 14:11, look what the scripture says. "For whosoever exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. you ever, you ever, you ever, like, you ever see that? like you, you get like somebody that wants the spotlight and then they miserably fail in the spotlight? And then you get folks that don't want the spotlight, and God's like, no, you're going to be in the spotlight. Why? Because that is a kingdom principle. It's the people that don't want the glory that God can shine forth his glory through them. But see, when you want the glory, God's like, you're behaving like Satan. Because Satan wanted the glory. Satan got tired of God being the one that gets glorified. He said, I will exalt myself unto the most high. You're, you're, you're the closest to the devil when you want to exalt yourself. No, pastor, it's, it's just my flesh. It could be, but it can also be a little bit of influence from the devil. In fact, you know what's scary? John 8 tells us, you are of your father the who? And the works of your father you do. See, we've created this really toxic culture where we promote people wanting to exalt themselves, and we wonder, we wonder why they have a demonic attitude. We wonder why you just, yeah, I feel dirty around this person. Yeah, I'll tell you why. Because they love glory. But we don't want that around here. We want the will of God. Amen? Look at, look at Proverbs 18 and 14. This is where Jesus is getting all this from. The spirit of a man, is that 18 and 14? Or is it, try 18 and I'm wrong as it gets man, God help me. If it's the wrong one. No, that's that's another prideful one. I owe you guys a proverb. God bless you. Psalm 25 and 9. Look at this. The meek he will guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his ways. (laughs) Catch that? It's the humble folk that God guides It's the humble folk that God teaches his ways because it's hard to teach a proud person anything. And it's hard to lead a proud person. So you can't even follow God until you get humble. And you can't even learn from God until you get humble. Look what the psalmist said in Psalm 149 and 4. For well, the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. God saves you because of your humility. Pastor, I don't know if the apostles even believe this. Well, let's check the scriptures to fact check this. Ephesians 4 and 2, please look what the Bible says. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in. Prideful people have trouble loving. Meek people humble themselves and love. You see, prideful people have no patience for people. But humble people say, you know what, I remember how long it took me to get some of this stuff out. I remember how long it took me to get these struggles under control. I remember how long it took me to overcome these things. So I'm not going to look at them like I'm better than them. I'm going to be humble and realize we all need God. We all need mercy. We all need grace. We all need long-suffering. We all need patience, and we all need love. He's writing to the church, folks. When somebody walks into a church that is baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and striving for Christianity, it ought to be a humble place. Somebody say, help us, Lord. Look what James tells us in James 4. James 4, 6. He giveth more grace. Anybody need more grace? Anybody feel like me? Lord, I don't know how you put up with me. (laughs) (laughs) he giveth more grace. Why? Because God resists the who? But he gives what? Folks don't even realize the power of grace. Folks don't even realize the power of humility. Folks don't even realize. You know what's amazing? Today, right before I came to Bible study, I literally was running on fumes, exhausted, tired, I had to go to a job site, and the guy just cussed me out. And I just stood there, just smiling. In my mind, I'm thinking, this man, if I went like this, he'd have a heart attack and die. But he's cussing me out, slobber everywhere, and I'm just like, okay, well, I'm sorry you feel that way, and Man, we'll do our best to, to, to help him. The Holy Ghost was going, good job. Because <laughs> I was thinking about WWF, baby, some Stone Cold Stunner, some The People's Elbow, The Rock. I was Dude, my, my man's getting ready to get pile-drived here in a second, he don't stop. But I had to realize: hey, God's watching this. And if God's watching this, hey, Can can I tell you, let's do the mathematics here. Let's do some spiritual math here. What do you get when you let your pride rise up? You get God's resistance. (laughs) So the math here is this. You want your pride to rise? God will resist you. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I feel like they took my dignity. According to Scripture, God gave you more grace. According to Scripture, what you thought you lost, God gave it to you in grace. That means that there's a little piggy bank that you got. It's called, it, it says, more grace. And when you make a mistake, and when you fumble, and when you fall, and when you make mistakes, and when you slip up, and when you fall, and all this stuff takes place in your life, God says, don't worry, I got some grace for you. Why? Because you're humble. So what do you get when you're prideful? You get God's resistance. What do you get when you're humble? You get God's grace. There's nothing more that the... De- hey, can I just... Let me just help you folks understand this because I'm just continuing to learn this because there's depths of this. Hey, do you know, you know why stuff takes us off? Unless it's like a godly thing. You know what really what gets under our carnal flesh is the pride that we deserve better. I can't believe they did me dirty. And God goes... I feel the same way about you. You see, the whole principle here is we've got to be able to determine why am I getting so mad? Why am I so offended? Why this and why that? And I'll tell you why. It's pride. You think, I deserve more respect. Listen, some of y'all folks show me no respect. And you know something? I still love you. I'm cool with it. You know why? Because like I told Sister Patty, on the day of judgment, I get to, when God tells me, how'd you like pastoring this person? I can say, they gave me hell on earth. And then there's other people that I can say, I really love them. Can you make sure they get two mansions? And put them down the street from me, please. I really like them. But then there's other ones that I'm like, God, I don't want nobody in hell, but... And I'm teaching so good right now, I had to charge you for this one. I'm trying to help you. Under- you don't believe that. Okay. Let's, go to, are we, let's go, to, go, go to verse 10. Let me get through this real quick. Verse 10. Humble yourselves in whose sight? What does Proverbs teach you about the eyes of the Lord? They're in every place. Fine, pastor, I'll be humble on Sundays and Tuesdays. No, 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 no. not how this works. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Oh, you know how terrible it is to know that God is everywhere at all times? You're like, he saw that. What happens if you'll humble yourself in the sight of the Lord? He lifts you. Can I tell you? Nobody can take you higher and farther than God. Some folks, I know. I listen. I got a lot of friends. Some folks humble themselves around people because they want people to lift them up. Listen, I ain't after people lifting me up. I'm after God's hand stretching down on my life and going, "Come on, let me take you where I want to take you. Let me take you where I want to take you." That's what happens when you humble yourself the hand of God will start to touch your life. Because he doesn't resist the humble, he resists the proud. Can you imagine? Have you ever seen somebody, and this happened to me when I was a kid. I remember when I was in middle school, there was this really, 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 really just big talker. He was a little gangster boy, and he talked about how he can beat everybody up. And uh, then he started getting a whooping on him by somebody. And you know what was amazing is is my instinct was to get in the way, but then I stopped and I said, nah, he's going to learn from this one. He's going to learn from this one. I don't want God to see me fumbling and stumbling and falling and crying and weeping and all messed up. And God saying, I'm not going to get involved because your pride is still there. No, 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 no. I'm going, God, I deserve this, but can you help me, please? That's humility. Somebody say, help us, Lord. Okay, so we believe, Paul believed this. We know James taught it. Let's see what Peter taught the churches. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. I got gray hairs in case you're wondering. I'm going to start walking with a limp too so I can get a cane and be the elder. Okay, yeah, Look at that. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. What kind of clothes are we supposed to have on? Clothed with humility. See, see, this is called clothes, but God wants you to be covered in humility from head to toe. God wants your thoughts to be humble, your heart to be humble, your spirit to be humble, your tongue to be humble, your ears to be humble. Oh, he wants you to be clothed with humility. You know why he wants you to be clothed with humility? Because he understands you can't be saved without it. So you need it all around you, inside and out. Why does Peter tell us we got to do this? God resists the who and gives grace to who? Now, I had to learn this the hard way. I just got done telling you guys about humility and pride. Hit them, Brother John. 13, 17. Jesus looked at the child and said, hey, come here. What the kid do? He submitted. He obeyed. Scripture says, obey them that have the rule over you. Don't worry, I'm not one of them crazy guys that's going to make you do all kinds of weird stuff. But according to Scripture, obey them that have the rule over you. Pastor, I submit to God and God alone. Can you explain this verse to me then? Can you explain why God got mad at Israel for not obeying Moses? Can you explain why God got mad at Israel when they didn't obey Joshua? Can you obey when God got mad at Israel for not obeying David? Can you, can, can you help me understand why would God say this and not mean it? God, I speak to you alone, God, and I submit to you. And God's like, man, I haven't heard from you in weeks. And I'd love to talk to you in the spirit but you're so carnal, you can't even hear me. So you know what I do? Since you're carnal, I use flesh to talk to you. That's called your pastor. He's like, since you're not going to listen to my spirit, I might as well use the pastor to let you know where you're at. Everybody say, "I, I don't like that. I know me neither. Obey them that have rule over you. Submit yourselves. You know what that means? That means pastor says, hey, listen, this is in the Bible. I highly suggest you do this. God's going to bless you for it. You might as well do it. Get, just, just jump all in. I don't, I don't agree, but I'm going to submit. Sister Julia, what would you do if your kids told you, well, I don't agree that I need to brush my teeth? You would spank them, right? Well, praise God. You know why? Because you understand. I got to deal with your bad breath. And so God wants us to know as humans that God will use a leader to check your pride. Man, let me tell you, some of us need to go to prayer and repent for being hypocrites. Because your pride says, Ain't nobody telling me what to do. Is that why you pulled over when the cop ran his lights? Is that why you showed up to the, to the courthouse when you were supposed to, to avoid going to jail? Is that why you paid the ticket when you were supposed to? Is that why you dressed the way they asked you to, to go to that job interview? Oh, you submit real well. You just don't realize that submission comes from God. And that principle checks your pride. Somebody say, help us, Lord. Okay, what is the job of the guy that you got to submit to? I know we're taking our time. We're breaking this down because we're trying to fix some things here. What is the job of the guy that's watching over you? What is he watching? What's the most valuable thing you got? Doesn't the Bible say that what profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And God is saying, hey, I've ordained a man, and his whole job, the purpose for his existence, the reason he studies, he prays, he fasts, the reason he tries to listen to my voice is because he has one job to do, and that is to make sure you go to heaven. But folks think, oh, yeah, that's an easy job. Listen, folks. The doctor's job is to keep your body working. He practices medicine on you. I ain't practicing salvation on you. I'm preaching what's in that book. And what that book says is right. And it gets you to heaven. It's a guaranteed trip to heaven if you'll submit to what's in there. And it's my job to watch out for your soul. Why doesn't the Bible let you watch out for your own soul? Hey. Hey. You know why you don't even watch out for your, hey, you know, it's, it blows me away when, when I, when I got to bear the brunt of people when I'm doing my job. <laughs> my job is to keep you out of hell. Well, pastor, I didn't like that you preached against Disney. Well, I didn't like the fact that you were idolizing it. Pastor, I didn't like how you preached against sports. Well, I'm sorry. I see you clap your hands to sports more than God. See, my job is to watch past your flesh and look into that spirit of yours and say, I'm trying to get you to heaven. You may not like me right now, but I'm trying to get you there. That's my job. What's your job? Well, my job gets a little complicated because I got to give an account. Has anybody ever given an account before? It's thorough. Look at this. That they may do it with what? What is, okay, let's break this down. What does the scripture advise is good for you? My job is to watch for your soul. Your job is to make sure you don't give me hell. You don't believe me. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. See, I'm supposed to lead, not drag you. I'm supposed, to talk, I'm supposed to tell you, and you're supposed to listen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'll say amen to my own stuff since you won't say amen. Amen. Why? Okay. If pastor's leading, if pastor's preaching, if pastor's teaching, if pastor's doing his job, and I don't listen, whose fault is it? scripture says this is unprofitable for who everybody look at go like this you hey yeah that, that that so in other words what the scripture is trying to let you know is that when you get to the judgment seat God wants to ask the pastor how did you enjoy pastoring this person they were a headache and God goes well lucky for you they will not they're not going to be my headache forever either Are you guys, are we reading the same Bibles or you guys have like the NIV or some other version? Because it's right there. I'm like, I have it up there. Everyone's looking at me like I'm preaching something that's not in there. It's in there. It doesn't hurt me if you don't follow, it doesn't hurt me if you don't listen. You know who it hurts? You. You start suffering, you feel the pain. You deal with the consequences. You have the scars. You have the anxiety. You're the one that's struggling to sleep. You're the one that can't go to, you're the one that gets hurt. You're the one that goes broke. You're the one that misses out on blessings. Who is this profitable? For you. So you get the blessing or the curse, depending on what you do. And my job is just to lead. Follow me as I follow Christ, amen. Okay, let's, let's get, I got 13 minutes. Man, Lord, you got me all worked up. 6,000 steps, 833. Working up my calories so I can eat tonight. Praise the Lord. Look at this. Verse 5. Whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. I'm about to give you a revelation. You ready for this one? If you're humble and God considers you his child... <laughs> you're a blessing to whoever receives you. See, she humble right there. Baby Avery. Preach, baby Avery. That she's doing it. I'm trying to help somebody understand that when you become a child of God, everywhere you go that, that receives you, God blesses them because you're receiving a child of God, so you're receiving God. See, folks don't even realize, when you, do, when you do a child of God dirty, you're doing God dirty. You ain't, you ain't doing them dirt. you're doing their dad dirty. And their dad are the ones that are mad at you. Somebody say, help us, Lord. Look at verse 6. Now we're really going to get into some stuff. Jesus, I think this is the last verse, praise the Lord. Look at this. But whoso shall offend... One of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged around his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. In other words, offenses must come, but many offenses come because of our pride. We offend people because of our pride. And the worst part about it is our pride doesn't just offend people, but it also blinds us to what God wants to do to us. Which is He wants you to take, He wants you to go scuba diving for a while. Without oxygen. <laughs> I know we don't hear about this stuff very much because people don't like to talk about it, because a lot of us are so prideful that we have no problem offending people. Well, they should get over it. Okay, I agree. They should get over it, but you need to get over yourself. Who do you think you are? Well, I'm a, I'm a big giver. Wonderful. Congratulations. Who do you think you are? At some point, folks, every one of us has to have this thing get out of us. Because we don't even realize the more prideful we are, the more we offend. And we're not offending for the cause of Christ. There's a difference between speaking the truth and someone's like, I'm so carnal, I'm offended. What? That really is not my fault. Jesus was offensive, and he was the word in flesh. Okay? That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about blatantly offending people because of your flesh, your pride. We can't do that kind of stuff. It's not biblical. It's It's not the will of God. That we go around offending people. Well, Pastor, I remember when I got the Holy Ghost, I became perfect in 90 days. So I'm gonna walk across the aisle and go tell that sister, hey, how come you're not perfect? It's been 90 days. Isn't it amazing how we do that? Hey, who is, supposed to, who is supposed to lead them and watch for their soul? Hey, why don't you let me do the pastor and stop pretending to be one? Why don't you let the Holy Ghost tell me when their soul's on the line and it's my job to step in and say, okay, now it's time to get this done. Don't be walking around thinking, well, ah, you know, I know a couple of Bible verses. Yeah, you, you know a couple of Bible verses and you didn't know that Jesus' name baptism was essential about six months ago. Oh, you don't like to be humble, but it's the truth. Isn't it amazing how, how you spend a little bit of time in the kingdom of God and all of a sudden you think you're a know-it-all and God's like, I found you in a bar, homie. I'm a theologian now. You ain't a theologian. You're a nothing. I'm trying to help some folks here tonight. Hey, listen, this stuff right here will keep you safe. It don't feel good, but, man, have you ever ate shredded cheese? It tastes so good. This is a little bit of, this is a little bit of Monterey Jack, some Colby. I'm just, just putting it over the meal. A little bit of cheese, something for you to chew on a little bit. We got to be careful that we're not doing that. Don't be trying to offend people on purpose. Don't be trying to not be careful with how you treat people. Why? Because if they are a child of God, you are violating what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be meek towards one another. You're supposed to love one another. You're supposed to be patient towards one another. You're supposed to be merciful towards one another. It's not your job to be prideful about who you think you are and who they're not. It's your job to be humble. All of us. Somebody say, help us, Lord. I'm trying to help us tonight. What's a millstone? The millstone, believe it or not, is a larger than ordinary millstone. It's a huge, huge boulder. Here's the interesting thing about Jesus using this example. That was not a form of Jewish punishment. Did you catch that? Jesus, the manner of death that Jesus alludes to here is unknown to the Jews. So, This is mentioned in writings from Greece and Rome, where it takes place as the ultimate punishment, even worse and more terrible than the cross. Evidently, drowning that way is worse than being nailed to a tree, I guess. I don't know. That's what some people believe. Don't you find it fascinating that Jesus uses a worldly method of death to describe the consequences of pride? Because whether you know it or not, pride makes you worldly. Pride and worldliness go hand in hand. Because all there is in the world is the pride of? Worldliness and pride go hand in hand. I was preaching in Lodi, and they were asking me, brother, what do, you, what do you drive? I said, I drive a Ford Focus. Is that an Apple Watch? No, it's some rip-off Apple Watch that's probably going to get sued from being looking just like them. Brother, where do you buy your suits? Actually, I don't know. I don't buy suits. The last suit I got, the church bought for me because I don't buy myself clothes. It it has nothing to do with me trying to be humble. It's that I grew up around around a humble, frugal man, and I learned that that's not what life is about. That there's more valuable things in life, like your character, like your relationships, like your worth and your purpose. There's greater things in life that carry value. And I remember looking at these boys. These are young entrepreneurs. And I said, listen, boys, no matter how rich you get, no matter how blessed you get, no matter how much you got, I'm telling you, do not allow your flesh to get prideful. Because God promised that he will resist the pride and that he'll bring them down. So you need to be careful. Because God actually wants to protect you from self-destruction. Amen? Amen? God wants to help our church tonight strive for this. None of us are going to be perfect. All of us are going to have issues. We're all going to make mistakes. This is part of being human. But tonight, God wants us to pray for a few specific things. If you'll stand and give them something to have hope with, with some background melody or something, give them hope. In Jesus' name. Okay, as Christians, here is our goal. We are going to pursue humility. Humility. Everybody say, I want to be humble. humble. Wonderful. We want humility. Hey, can I tell you, there is a spiritual vaccination that will protect you from all of the destruction in the scripture. And that is humility. That's my boy right here. Thank you for being on the front row. That's my dude right here. Thank you. Humility. If you can get vaccinated with humility and build up an antibody to pride, when pride starts to kind of come knock on your door and and it it tries to sift into your body, you start going, no, no, Jesse, you can't think that way. You can't respond that way. You can't act that way. You can't talk this way. Uh, No, sir, that's not true. You're not going to do that because God is watching what you're doing right now. God's watching how I'm going to respond. God is watching how I'm going to talk. God is watching. And so you have to say, you know what, I want to be injected with humility. Somebody say, help us, Lord. help us, Lord. We must pray against the pride that is trying to get inside of us. Doesn't the scripture say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Pride is evil. We got to pray that God gets that pride out of us. We got to pray that God would help us convert ourselves into the humility of children. And lastly, we must pray that we do not offend people because of our pride. Because all of these things God is watching and God is going to sort them out. And I, don't, I cannot speak for you, but I'm speaking for myself. I would rather feel foolish and go to heaven Than be prideful and go to hell. See, Brother Rob, this is actually one of the reasons I believe wholeheartedly that God uses speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance as the infilling. I believe that. I believe that that is God saying, Your pride don't want to speak in tongues. Your pride don't want to lift up their hands and people all around you listening into you. Your pride is saying, You look dumb, you look weird. You look like you're in a cult. You look like this. You look like that. And you don't even realize all around the United States and all around the world, there's some crazy people out there doing weirder things than we do. And they're the cool ones. Listen, you think it's normal to be in Green Bay, have no clothes on but some chonies, and run down on the field in the winter? I'll take speaking in tongues at an altar all day over that. Trying to help somebody here tonight. It takes a humility to be filled with the Holy Ghost, but it also takes a humility to continue to be led by the Holy Ghost. Because you got to keep telling yourself, hey, he's the ancient of days. <laughs> he's the I am. He knows everything. He sees my past, future, and present. He He can... He can, heal, he can heal me, he can fix me. He can, we have to start learning to be children of God and following our dad and saying, God, I really don't like how this looks or feels, but you're my dad and we're just going to go with it." Would you slip up your hands right now and surrender? Would you Would you slip up your hands right now and just ask the Lord, God, I need you to examine me tonight. Lord, I don't want to be prideful. I know that the devil would love to fill my heart with pride like he did Judas and like he did Ananias and Sapphira. I know the devil wants me to be prideful like Saul. I know the devil likes seeing prideful people because he knows firsthand that God brings down the pride, but give grace to the humble. Lord, I'm asking you to step into this room and work on every one of our hearts tonight, Lord. None of us have this all figured out. None of us, none of us, Lord, have this so down that we never make mistakes, Lord. All of us owe people apologies. All of us need to learn to apologize. All of us need to learn to be humble. God, I pray that you create in us, your church, a clean heart and renew in us a right spirit. Lord, I pray that you would examine our hearts tonight because our heart is deceitfully wicked above all things and only you truly know it, God. I'm asking you this, Jesus, to help me convert into the humility of a child that listens to you, Lord. Protect me, Jesus, from the leprosy of pride. God, guard my heart, guard my mind. Let me be clothed with humility, Lord. Let me show humility in the way I walk, the way I talk, the way I act, the way I minister, the way I treat my brothers and sisters, the way I treat the lost. God, help me live and walk and breathe and be a humble man, Jesus, so that I can please you, God. God, I don't want to have pride. I don't want to compare myself to others. I don't want to be jealous and envious of others. Lord, I just want to be happy to be in the kingdom. I want to be happy to see brothers and sisters in the kingdom. I want to be happy when new souls are added into the kingdom, Lord. I don't want to have a competitive mindset. I don't want to have a competitive spirit, Lord. I don't want to have a bad attitude because of my pride, Lord. I don't want to treat people like they're less than me, Jesus. But, Lord, they are my brothers. They are my sisters. They are creations made in your image and likeness, Lord. Lord, I pray that tonight you would really do something in every single one of us, God. We need you to purify us, Jesus. Lord, you said, you're the one that said this is a heaven and hell issue. This is a kingdom issue. This is something that really needs to be conquered and constantly kept up on, Jesus. Oh, I pray you help us tonight, God. Open our eyes to see areas that we need to work on today, Jesus. Help us not be ignorant of what we're fighting, but help us see it, God, and start to fix it, Lord, because we don't want to miss your kingdom. We don't want to miss your blessings. We don't want to miss what you have for every one of our lives. Lord Jesus, we want to be that kind of church where people can discern the humility of the saints where people can walk in and realize there's grace here, more grace than anywhere else because of the humility of the body. Lord Jesus, I need grace. I don't know about nobody else in this room, but I know that I need grace, and I need grace every single day of my life. Hallelujah, God, I make mistakes. Sometimes I put my foot in my mouth. Sometimes I say things I'm not supposed to. Sometimes I treat people how I'm not supposed to. God, I need grace, So please help me, Jesus. I don't want to be prideful, God. Purify my motives. Purify my heart. Keep my spirit, God, in your mighty hand. Let your Holy Spirit work on me. Lord, don't ever stop correcting me. Don't ever stop rebuking me. Lord, I want salvation. I want you to teach me your ways. I want you to lead me, Jesus. It's hard to lead if we cannot follow God. I pray we can follow you, Jesus. It's hard for you to teach us when we think we have it all figured out, Lord. I pray you make us humble, make us leadable, make us teachable, God. Because I want to be humble, Jesus. I want to be able to learn from everyone. I don't want to think I know anything, God. I I want to do my best and just put it in your hands and trust you, Jesus. Help us tonight, God. Help us tonight, Jesus. Oh, come on, the Holy Ghost is reaching for you right now. Come on, it's okay to talk to Him. It's okay to verbalize that you need help. It it doesn't matter who's standing next to you. Don't let your pride, don't let your pride keep you from talking to Him right now. Don't let your pride keep you from from letting Him know, God, I I, I really do need your help. Uh, I don't have this all figured out. God, I'm struggling with this, and and, and I would really appreciate if you would help me overcome it. God, I don't want to drown in my flesh. I don't want to drown in my iniquity. I don't want to drown in lawlessness. Lord, I want to be a humble saint. I want to be your daughter. I want to be your son. I want to serve you, Jesus, with a clean heart and a clean mind. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless you tonight. We bless you tonight, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would allow this simple lesson to be embedded into every heart and every mind. I pray that this comes to their mind when our pride starts to be stirred. Lord, I pray that you would remind us that we gain your grace with humility, but we lose your help with pride. Help us, Lord. Help us because I pray that nobody misses the kingdom of God because of a simple thing called pride. Help us tonight, Jesus. Oh, God, bless your people. Bless your people tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah. If God spoke to you tonight, would you say amen? Amen. I love every one of you. God bless you. You can pray. You can talk.